This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. It's 1921 on Power of Business. Move on now to speak to the metals and engineering sector. And on the line, I'm joined by Lucio Trentini, who is the SafeSite CEO. And we're having a conversation about a meeting that took place yesterday on the 31st of January uh, that would have seen, uh, you know, uh, metals and the engineering industries bargaining council uh, sign a landmark process or relationship agreement uh, with employers uh, there and, and, and trade unions all in the room. And I'm keen to find out exactly what this means. We've been speaking to the sector quite a bit lately because, of course, uh, there is quite a bit of trouble in there. Uh, plans to save ArcelorMittal, but also, uh, you know, uh, the sector that's battling the most with the deindustrialization that we've seen uh, in uh, South Africa. Lucio, good evening to you. Thank you for your time. Uh, good evening to you and to the listeners, and thank you for inviting us. Fantastic. Talk to us about uh, the purpose of yesterday's meeting. Who was in the room, um, and why was it important uh, for you all to convene at this time? So this is an industry that is um, steeped in collective bargaining. Um, it's a huge sector, um, 10,000 companies spread across the length and breadth of South Africa. Um, there's over um, 300,000, 362,000 to be exact, um, people that work in the sector, both blue-collar and white-collar employees. And it's an important sector insofar as the overall economy is concerned. The metal and engineering sector um, is a a customer and a supplier to all the major sectors around us, Um, agro-processing, auto-component manufacturers, auto-assemblers, the construction industry, the mining industry, and so so on. So it's very important that, you know, when we go into a round of collective bargaining around wages and conditions of employment, as will be the case this year, that we really apply our minds in trying to avoid um, the the industrial stoppage that we experienced in 2021. We're coming to the end of a three-year deal. Um, Our deal ends in June this year. And in 2021, um, we had a bit of a hiccup and we experienced a three-week strike. And that three-week strike cost the economy in excess of 600 million rand per day in terms of lost revenue. So we cannot afford a repeat of that, um, whether it's employers who we represent or trade unions and their members um, the trade unions that we deal with are the biggest trade unions in the country. Mm-hmm. We have the National Union of Mine Workers, the National Union of Metal Workers, we have Solidarity, Mewusa, Yuasa, and the South African Equity Workers Association. These six trade unions represent the majority of employees in the sector. And um, we started talking to one another towards the end of last year. We had a dialogue workshop amongst all the parties and the other employer groupings because it's a uh, Um, although it's the largest and represents the most um, employees employed in the sector through our member companies, um, isn't the only employer body, but um, we we tend to to set the pace and and lead the process. Um, We discussed last year what we could do differently this year, and we agreed um, last year that we would try and agree on rules of game, on on how we would um, approach the negotiations, the topics in the negotiations, and how we would behave and interact with one another. And that culminated in the cobbling together of a process or relationship agreement, and that agreement was signed on Tuesday in our um, Metal and Engineering Industry Bargaining Council board meeting. It's the first time we've done something like that, and, and it's an important agreement because it contains 
um, elements around values, respect, honesty, honesty, interdependence, continuity, you know, what constitutes acceptable behavior and what constitutes behavior that won't be tolerated by any party around the table. We signed off on a very tight negotiating timetable. Uh, the process is already underway. Um, we have a pre-bargaining conference on the 7th of February, um, starting at 10, uh, where we will be inviting the media. And the purpose of that conference is to really get a deep understanding of industry issues and challenges. Uh, we then go back to our respective constituencies and, and finalize and formulate our respective positions, hopefully informed by what we learn in the pre-bargaining conference on the 25th of March, and then we set ourselves a very tight deadline. We want to try and finish negotiations before the end of May. Uh, this is um, unprecedented. Um, it would be a first, but as I said in a piece that I wrote the other day, you know, we are an industry that is known for doing the impossible from time to time. Um, so when we get things wrong, we really get them wrong, as was the case in 2021, but when we get them right, you know, we can really pull miracles out of the hat. I mean, you may or may not recall that in the midst of COVID in 2021, we were due to start negotiations around wages and conditions of employment, and we signed off on a wage freeze, um, a 0% increase for all workers in our industry. That was unprecedented in the industrial relations landscape, and um, that was because employers and trade unions were able to to rise above the parapet and see beyond their own sort of selfish agendas, and I'm talking to employers and trade unions, and we did the impossible. I mean, that's never been repeated anywhere else um, in the public or private sector. So we're very, we're very, um, we're very um, proud of our history of collective bargaining. The history goes back all the way back to 1944, mm-hmm. and CETA celebrated its 82nd anniversary last year. And uh, we intend being around for a, a good couple of more years. And uh, we just need to keep in, in mind that when we have strikes, those strikes are really, really difficult. But we've only had five strikes in almost 80 years of talking to one another. So we remain convinced that we can find a middle ground, um, not just for the benefit of our members, but for the benefit of the industry. And if the industry does well, everyone around us can piggybacks off that and quite frankly, the economy could, be, could, could, could well do with a bit of a, a, a pickup. Um, if the Springboks could do it and Fafana is well on their way to possibly also repeating that feat, there's no reason why trade unions and employers can't come to the party and add to the um, success. Lucia, I'll tell you that the reason that it's very encouraging to hear you speak is because, like I said in my intro, I know the steels and engineering sector uh, is in a very difficult uh, period right now because of the macros. And I'm just very keen to also understand that as you had yesterday's meeting, as you've spoken uh, to trade unions, is everyone accepting of the fact that this is an industry that uh, needs uh, to be saved? Yeah, look, I mean, the, this industry and quite frankly, you know, um, the industries around us and the country is going through a, a very, very difficult period, probably the most difficult last three years uh, since we became a democracy way back in 1994-95. You know, we've been living with blistering load shedding. I mean, that's been the, the number one killer of jobs in our industry. And, and I mentioned to you that, you know, we've lost over, we've lost over half of our employed complement in this industry, just to give you an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, this industry in 2008 um, employs just under 600,000 employees, both white and blue-collar workers. We're down to half of that, 360-odd thousand. You know, and, and if you do a, a back of a cigarette box calculation, and I don't smoke, but I, I do have a calculator on my cell phone, 
you know, that's about 40 jobs every day over the last 15 years. Sure. And these, unfortunately, and, and many, many companies that have closed along the way. And, and these are not individuals that can just pack their bags and, and, and go and work somewhere else. I mean, these become unemployed individuals, desperate individuals, adding to the burden of the state, having to look after them through the social welfare system. There's over 80 million people on, 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 on um, the SASA scheme receiving one or other grant. So we have we have high inflation. We have the collapse of the national logistics framework network. We have we have the elections just around the corner. Around the corner. Um, I know that the government hasn't um, yet set a date, but the, the president will be addressing the nation on Monday, and we hope that he will announce a election day. Um, and uh, it's been a tough, tough ride, you know, for workers and for employers. And at the moment, this industry um, is suffering from a lack of demand. Um, we do not see companies um, investing heavily in plant and machinery. A lot of money has gone into alternative sources of energy um, just to keep the lights on. Um, and quite frankly, um, you know, load shedding needs to be addressed. It needs to be addressed quickly. This is a problem that we've been living with for a long, long time. And um, as more and more people get off the grid and more and more businesses make alternative arrangements, hopefully it will, the pain will lessen, but, but the damage has been done. And, um, yeah, we, we, we really need to pull together and um, not add to the problems that we all are very, very familiar with and really come up with a good news story. And if we can settle our negotiations in the time frame that we've settled or set for ourselves, it's a step. It's a small, tiny step in the right direction. Um, at the end of the day, um, government has its hands on the levers of um, providing an enabling environment that encourages businesses to, to stay, invest, invest in plant and equipment and employ people. And government must create a, um, an, an environment, an industry where it invests in terms of its promised infrastructure spend, which we haven't seen as much as we were hoping to see. And at the end of the day, when um, government fails, business fails along the way. And um, that's in no one's best interest. Companies close, employees lose their jobs, and our unemployment rate really um, is something that keeps most employers awake at night and should keep every single South African awake, awake at night because as the unemployment rate rises, it really has the potential to, to, to unsettle and, un, and, un, and un, unpick the, the social fabric that holds a society together. People are desperate, people are angry, and we have a duty to do what is right. Um, for South Africa Inc. and for all of us to to really see the picture ahead, the big picture ahead. And as I said in my opinion piece the other day, to break this dream of you know this this this, um, this dream loop, just constantly saying you know what is wrong with the country, as opposed to sort of focusing on what can we do to start in our small little ways, you know, fix what we can fix in our immediate surroundings, whether it's a house, whether it's a suburb, whether it's a factory or whether it's something that you know you just do for the sake of bettering the community in which one lives in. Well, it has been a pleasure hearing from you. Keen uh, to keep talking, especially as, uh, you know, this negotiation process unfolds. Thank you so much for joining us this evening and uh, taking us uh, through yesterday's deliberations. Thank you. Fantastic. Oh, wow. That's CIFSA CEO, Lucio Trentini. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.